Hallelujah to the Lamb. Anybody going to class tonight? I guess now's the time to go. Robin's about to make the switch. And uh, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. And uh, praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 3 tonight. This will be part 2 of a message we started last week entitled, Being Found in Christ. One of the key words of this message is really found, being found. Paul was already righteous when he wrote this, but he wanted to be found before God as experiencing the righteousness of God that he became in Christ and that he could now bear fruit of through Christ. And Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Let's stop there for a moment. What, what had been gained to Paul? The law and all his strivings to obtain righteousness through the law that he would himself write to the Roman church and say, all of Israel never attained the law of righteousness. They never stepped into it because they tried to obtain it by works. They wouldn't receive the faith of Christ. But all the things that had been gained to him, all the feasts, all the festivals, all the striving to keep the law that he knew he couldn't, he realized they were lost, so he counted them lost. He, he realized that him trying to keep the law had always robbed him because that's where his faith was, trying to keep the law. The word loss, as I brought out last week, doesn't mean he just declared them as loss. It means that they were causing him to lose. Loss. You get it? What things were gained to me, those I counted loss, I counted them as they really were. They were causing me to lose. They were robbing me of what I really needed. Because it's not Christ and, it's just Christ. And he realized that. He says, yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. That means manure, by the way, that I may win Christ. Now, we can't just read over this. We've got to look at these things to be able to understand them because this is being written to Paul to give to us so that we can see the process of reaching the place where we have a desire to be found by our God in His righteousness, not our own. His righteousness. Amen. You, if you don't understand His righteousness, then what Jesus taught about seeking His kingdom and His righteousness before all things, you'll always be confused as to why things aren't working out for you the way the Bible says they should be. You'll be living a life of contradiction, declaring one thing but not experiencing what you're declaring. I know that's the biggest part of Christianity today. And so uh, let's read this verse 8 again. Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency for the, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Everything that is not gaining knowledge to me, for me, in Christ Jesus, it's robbing me. 
and I'm counting it that as a robber. I'm counting it that as loss, that which is causing me loss. Do you understand that? Paul was one of those determined people only to gain Christ, and he knew it had to happen through faith alone in him and what he had done at Calvary. It couldn't be through any of the law, the law and me trying to live and, 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 and carry out in my own flesh the law because it couldn't be done. If it could, Jesus wouldn't have had to come from heaven. Men can't obey the law. A saved person still can't obey the law. What does that mean? I thought we could now. No, you can't, even after you're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Your faith has to be in the one and what he did to be able to experience, according to Romans 8, 3, and 4, the righteousness of the law being fulfilled in your heart. And the Bible says there in Romans that you have to be walking after the Spirit for that to happen. And it explains it there, what that means. Walking after the Spirit is not lighting a candle in your favorite worship song. Walking after the Spirit is having your faith in what the Spirit showed you to save you. And now you're walking after that by faith. Amen. And Paul knew that and he was learning that. And so that's when he looked at Calvary. If you get the right look of Calvary, you'll begin to count everything else dung that you once trusted in. I've heard through the last 18 years I start talking about the cross of Christ and many Christians start talking about all that God has done in this and through that and you know and I just I hate to have to break their hearts but uh, you know it was them doing stuff. It was them doing stuff. We can stamp God on anything. Amen, Brother Curtis. We can stamp God on anything. I can get up and, and, and declare, and, and you know, and I, there's more of this going on now than ever before. Men getting up, and the preachers getting up and telling people what God's going to do. Can I remind you tonight, they don't have a clue what he's going to do? I'm talking about in a meeting. They don't know what he's going to do. They, they, they're not God. They can't read God's mind. Our mission and our job is to put the gospel before the people and then, if they believe, that opens the door for God to do the things they need done according to His will. Amen. Amen. See, it makes me sick to see preachers declaring what God's going to do in this meeting because they don't know. That right there is a pump up, getting you to look at me. Boy, he knows what God's going to do. Don't nobody know what God's going to do. We know what God can do. We know what God's able to do, but if you start telling people what God's going to do, you don't know what God's going to do. If you think you do and you prove it to be true, then I'm going to get you to move out there and live with me all the time. But you don't. You don't have a clue what God's going to do. you got a Bible and you can put your faith in Christ the way he did at Calvary and let the Holy Spirit carry out the will of God for your life. Amen. But can't nobody get up and declare what God's going to do in this meeting tonight because that's... Take, that takes place in the hearts of each individual. Amen. So Paul said, yeah, doubtless. I count all things but law, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He wasn't counting things just lost because they were in the past. He was counting them loss so that he could excel in the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of Christ. I asked saints, uh, at the end of the day, what have you gained in Christ? What, what, what is it you've gained in Christ Jesus? Amen. We, we need to be gaining in Christ Jesus. We need to be gaining. 
instead of letting everything from the past be there to, to rob us, and that's what loss means, rob, things that rob us cause loss in our life. So Paul says, for whom I, verse 8, the second part there, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul said, I, man, I've lost everything because of Christ. He was willing to give up everything because of Christ. He didn't try. He wasn't wanting to hang on to nothing. He wasn't wanting to hang on to nothing. If anything was in his life that was preventing him from gaining more knowledge of Christ, he was counting it dung. He was counting it lost. It's got to go. If it's not a part of what God's doing in my life through my faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, it's causing me loss. It's robbing from me. Now, I'm talking about spiritual things now. I'm not talking about quit eating and quit wearing shoes and all that weirded out stuff. People get real weird on you today. But I'm talking about anything, any avenue you think you can be saved by God, you think you can walk with God, you think you can be delivered by God through anything you do, then you're lying to yourself or somebody's lying to you because if that were the case, Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross for my sins, your sins, and for our deliverance. Amen. So Paul reached the place, and we need to reach the place where we count it all done. Whatever it was, whatever it is that's hindering us gaining more knowledge of Christ, we need to ask the Lord's help to deliver me from that. There are preachers today that say they can be delivered by singing to God or by uh, fasting or by anything. And these things, that's not true. Because if you could deliver yourself by doing something, then Jesus didn't need to come and die for you. Your faith has to be in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, his death. Amen? And when we try to mix it up, it really proves something that I kind of want to talk to you about tonight. I mentioned it last week. We get confused. And when we're seeing what's written in the Word, then we, we, we look at our lives based on what's written in the Word, and it looks like a contradiction there. I see these things. My life is supposed to look like, but my life doesn't look like that. And 20, 30, 40 years go by, nothing changes. I'm still making the same excuses. Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nothing's changing. I'm not growing. I'm not gaining Christ. Matter of fact, the things are, that I should be counting loss and dung, they're, they're trying to chew a hole in my life. They're causing loss in my life. And I believe that the, 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 really the only reason those things happen is because we don't understand the second part of the double cure. Everybody know what the double cure is? The double cure is what happened on the cross in the death of Jesus, what God provided there for you. The first part of that was Christ died to pardon you, to forgive you of your sins. You've been pardoned, hallelujah. If you're a believer in Christ, He's forgiven you. He's forgiven you. You are not perfect, but you've been forgiven. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You've been pardoned. That's the first part of the double cure. The second part of the double cure, the lack of understanding it, the lack of knowing it, is what brings the rest of the problems into the church. The second part of the double cure is that you have received power as the sons and the daughters of God. Not power over all everything, but power over the devil, the world, the flesh, the sin nature. But it only works, that faith only works if you keep it in what it was in to save you. 
You try to put your faith in something you do, and you'll find yourself in a bigger mess than you were in before you got saved. Amen. And the double cure, the second part of that double cure, really talks about our condition. Our position is said. It's, it's there at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. It's there. It's concrete. It's absolute. You're there positioned with Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what your Bible tells you if you're a Bible believer. And, but your condition is here and now. And this is where the second part of that double cure takes place. If you don't understand Romans chapter 6, you, you, you're not going to be able to live for God. If you don't understand Romans 6, you'll never understand the second part of the double cure about receiving power to live for God. Power. You have received not only pardon, but you've received power to become the children of God, to experience the Holy Spirit working in your life so that you're not bound by, your, by the sin nature. You're not bound by the devil. You're not bound by the world. Amen. And it's the, it's the second part of the double cure that brings all the division in the church, the, 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 the misunderstanding, the, the lack of understanding, the not knowing, the second part of that double cure, and that it takes faith in the same thing that saved you to give you power, that same source of power to live the godly life, to live the, the sanctified life, to be able to, listen, be found. In Christ. We're going to see something in the scripture that we're reading tonight. And of course we would. You being found by God here in your condition. Is all based on what you know and what you're doing. With the righteousness that you've received. That you've been created in. That he put your feet in to walk the path of. It's all based on this righteousness, and we'll see it in the Scriptures tonight. You being found in Him. You're, again, make sure you know this before we move on. Your position is secure if you're a Christian. You're in Christ at the right hand of the Father. But here, in your condition, you've got to learn about the second part of that double cure that you have received power to become the children of God. You've received power to walk on this journey in your life with the power of God to bear forth the fruit of who your Savior is in your life. We're not just waiting and surviving to get to heaven. We're living this life of victory. We're running a race of victory. We're not maybe we, we just suffering. We're just faking it till we make it. No, that ain't the church that's alive. Amen. So look at verse 9 now because this is the key uh, springboard scripture, if you will. And, and, the first word is, and be found in him. This means he, God, he wants God to find him in Christ. He's in Christ. The normal just everyday Christian that's not a student of the word, which is most of the church today, and they'll read this and they'll think, well, I'm already in Christ. Well, Paul was already in Christ, but he wanted to be found by God in Christ in the experience of being in Christ. And we'll see what that is right here in this Bible verse. And be found in him. Notice 
as we previously read, that the process is counting things dung that are robbing from me and me gaining Christ. Let me say it again. The process here is counting those things dung that have been robbing from me, hindering me from gaining Christ. No, make sure you know this. You're not gaining Christ unless you're losing something. To gain Christ means you're losing something that's been hindering. You understand how simple that is? For you to gain Christ means something that's been hindering you has now been considered lost and dung by you so that you can now gain Christ. If we're not gaining more of Christ, if we're not learning more of Christ, if we're not gaining Him, it's because we're being held by things that are lost, that God sees as manure. They're a waste. They're a hindrance. Whatever it is, it don't matter if it's good things, blessings, they can hinder. They, can, they should be counted as loss if they're keeping me from gaining Christ. Amen. So he says, after he says all that in verse 7 and 8, he, that's why I had you say in verse 9, and found in him. Because being found in him is God seeing us counting things as loss that have been robbing us from gaining Christ. Sometimes we reach a place where we don't say it with our lips and our minds don't really think it, but sometimes we stay in a place too long. We stay in a place too long. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. I heard a song this week, man. I listened to that song 30 times already. This song, what did it say? I'm not going to sing about chains because my chains are gone. I'm not going to talk about what? My past because I'm moving on. <laughs> it's time to move on. And let me, you got to fight. You got to fight to move on because you're not just going to wake up one morning and certain things that should have been lost are going to be lost. You got to count them lost. You got to count them lost. You got to count them lost before you can move on. You, Christianity is not make believe magic mysticism. You, it's a fight of faith. Before you can move on, you, you got to count something lost. Those things that's been hindering, those things that's been keeping you from moving on. Amen. Paul says, and be found in him. I want to be found in him. I am in him, but I want God to find me in him. Hallelujah. That's good. Not having my own righteousness, that means not having my faith in anything I do because that's my own righteousness. So the process of, of, of counting things as lost and gaining Christ, that's going to take the Holy Spirit. That's going to take the Holy Spirit. And all he's waiting on is for you to anchor down on that cross. Realize this life ain't about you, it's about Jesus. This life's not about you making a name for yourself. This life's about you as a Christian magnifying the name of Jesus. Amen. Glorifying your God. Amen. And when you find yourself in situations, when you know you, 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 you messed it up again, well, the reason you messed it up is because you either don't know to look back to, to the place where you were hidden with Christ in God at the sacrifice, 
because that's where you're hidden with Christ in his death. And you either didn't know that or you chose to ignore it and make a big show of your flesh. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Make a big show of your flesh? I'm going to give them peace of my mind day. I know I'm a Christian, but I'm going to let them know that they're not. Uh-huh, we know about that. But for us who do know the way of Calvary, us who do know that the power of God is experienced in your union with Christ through faith in his death, then it, the choice is ours. We have to choose. And, and, and the good news is for us, we can choose because we have the Holy Spirit to help us choose. Amen. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. It's through the faith of Christ. It doesn't mean faith in Christ here. It means what it says. This righteousness that we have is through the faith of Christ. It's the faith he lived by, that perfect faith he lived by. And the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, we live by that faith now. If you're living, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ. To live, not to breathe air, but to live. To be found living is Christ. It's Christ. If I'm experiencing life, I'm experiencing Christ. And I don't mean breathing air and eating food. I mean spiritual life, the abundant life that I've been given. We all want to experience more of the abundant life. Well, you know how, you know how it all works? I look to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. I see how valuable it is more and more and more and more without end every moment of every day. And while I'm looking at that, it, the Holy Spirit shows me the perfect, as we sang tonight, the perfection of that sacrifice, which is God's perfect love, God's sufficient grace, God's abounding and new ever morning mercies. And as long as I'm looking at Calvary, I'm going to have the encouragement, the comfort, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to empower me to count things lost and to gain more of my Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God. It's God's righteousness. He offers it to us only through the sacrifice of Christ. God don't offer His righteousness to anybody at any time, anywhere from them doing something. The world thinks that. Hell is full of people that thought they'd go to heaven because they weren't like them and they weren't like them or at least I'm doing this. Heaven's full of people who were awful people on this earth but they were forgiven of their sins. I'm not talking about they lived awful lives. I'm talking about they were awful and then they were saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Hell is full of every person that's in hell believes they, when they were on the earth, they thought they had, they, they, their sins weren't as bad as theirs. They were weighing their lives based on other people. Well, I'm, I don't do that. Well, at least I've never done that. But they never did with their heart, with their heart, trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Because, see, God sent his son to die for all of the world, the Bible says in Hebrews 2, 9. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men, all people, everybody. 
Not a sin too big that God can't forgive. If I think that, then I'm telling God the cross ain't enough. But I got news for you. The sacrifice was perfect. And all you have to do is put your faith there from your heart. Not say any words. You have to first believe with the heart that Jesus died for you. Believe it in your heart and then your mouth will confess it. That's what will follow. You're not making yourself talk. When your heart believes in Jesus, your mouth will speak. That's the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because it's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you in all the years you're on this earth is the born-again experience. Hallelujah. It's where God saved a hard head like you. He snatched you off a highway to hell and put you on a highway to heaven. He took that old heart out and put a new heart in. He saved a lost soul and gave you a new spirit that's now alive. That's in your Bible, every bit of it. All that happened at the born-again experience. You didn't have anything to do with it except believe. And that's all it takes now as a Christian is just to keep believing in what you began believing in. Amen. So he goes on to say here, let's read verse 9 again, and be found in him. Now, let me say it again tonight. Paul was in Christ, but he wanted to be found in him. Found. In him, because only in Christ can you bear fruit. Well, you're in Christ in heaven at the right hand of the Father. I can't say it enough. But here, that's your position. Here is your condition. Here is where you're bearing fruit of who you are in Christ. Here is where you have to know what it means to walk in Christ. Colossians 2 6 on the screen, if you will, Marissa. Colossians 2.6 As you have therefore received, as you have therefore, therefore, if y'all listen to my weekly teachings, I talk about that word therefore quite often because it's in the Bible quite often. When you see the word therefore, it means you have to look back at what is there before you can go forward. There, okay, I got it, now forward. There, four. Because if you don't get the there, you can't go to the four. You understand that? So when we see something in verse 6, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So the word therefore comes into play here how did you receive him? How did you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? You had faith that he died for your sins, that you were guilty before God. The Holy Spirit convicted us that we were sinners and we needed a Savior. And we heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and we believed it from our hearts and we received Christ. And the Bible here says... As you have, therefore, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, meaning like so, walk ye in him. Walk ye in him like you received him. Everybody got that tonight? Everybody on the same page? You understand that? Don't never leave church and say, I don't understand that. Come up here when church is over and say, help me to see that. I can't, I can't show it to you, but I can keep pointing to scriptures to you. The Holy Spirit has to be the one to show you this. 
And if you want to see it, he'll show it to you. Amen. There's no such thing as blindness to a person who really wants to know. Amen. The blindness is only to a rebellious heart. God opens the eyes of the blind. So as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, you did that through faith in what he did on the cross for you. And just like that, you have to walk in him. Just the same way you were immersed into him. Everybody knows how that was? Romans 6, 3, if you will. Bible study tonight. Romans 6, 3, we'll move on to where I was going, but we need to stop and take a moment here. Romans 6, 3, you can't talk about these things enough. Romans 6, 3, don't you know? Now, this is to Christians. This is written to Christians, the Christians in the, in the Roman church. Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his, his death? When you heard the gospel, you realized you were lost and undone on the wrong road, and you believed with the heart that Jesus died in your place. He was your substitute. He represented you. You believed it from the heart. The Holy Spirit immersed you into the very place your faith was placed in the death of Jesus. That's how you entered the body of Christ. That's how you entered the kingdom of God. That's how you entered Christ. That's how you received Christ. The place where he received you. Just like that, you are to walk in Him. In Him never means anything other than in His death. Never. In Him never means anything other than in His death. So every time in your Bibles you read in Him, it's talking about your position in His death or your experience on this journey in your condition through your faith in his death. So that's how you walk in him. Now this is important because if I don't know how to walk in Christ, then I don't know how to be found in him. I have to know what it means to walk in him if I'm going to want my God to find me in him. Experience. God knows I'm in Christ. He put me there. But the, the apostle cries out here, I want to be found in him. And I guarantee it, let's just click on this word. Tonight I like to do so well. Uh, it means that. It means find. It means, but it also means to obtain, to perceive, to see. He wants, he wants God to see him living in Christ. He wants God, his God, to see him experiencing his Christ, his Savior. So when you, when you look at this, and let's look at it closely tonight, verse 9, because we're, we want to be found in him. Being found in Christ is what you're looking for, not being found in a building. We, we are the church and it's good to go to church and praise God and worship God and to be in the Word and to be in a congregation. <clears throat> but the power and the only true faith, the place of faith is in Christ. There's no other place that you can even place your faith 
other than in Christ. Every, every object of faith that's not in Christ, God won't honor. Amen. I got some things written down here. Let me see. Yeah, right here. Let's go through these tonight. There's about four of them. Four or five. Uh, to show you in the Word of God that the only place faith exists is in Christ. It doesn't exist anywhere else. If it's not in Christ, it's not biblical faith. You say, well, I got my faith in this word right here. Listen, the Bible says God always delivers us unto death. So that means he's always, whatever the word we're hearing, he's, it's got to be something that's delivering me unto death so I can see what I need to see about my Jesus and what he did at Calvary so I'll be able to put my feet in what he's trying to get me to walk in right here. Because if I'm not experiencing what the Holy Spirit is delivering me unto always, 2 Corinthians 4.11, the Holy Spirit delivers us who are alive always unto death so that we might express or experience the life of Christ. And so you've got to be walking in Him to experience the life of Christ. You don't, you don't just wake up and things happen all by themselves, Right? You start thinking things are going to happen all by themselves, self's going to get you in a boatload of trouble. So look at these scriptures here. Acts 24 and 24 is the first one. There's about four of them. Acts chapter 24, verse 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. The faith in Christ. And I submit to you tonight again, the only place faith exists is in Christ. It doesn't exist anywhere else. In Christ, meaning in his death. In Christ. In, listen, this is a bottle of water. The water is in the bottle. You were saved. The bottle representing Christ, you are in him. The word in describes a place, a location. We're in this room. You're in the Son of God. You're, you're not in Him bumping around in His ribs. That's foolishness. You're in the family of God now. You're in Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. The list goes on and on of who you are. But your position is in His death. That's what puts you in Christ. In Him. The Bible says we live and move and have our being in Him. And any movement or living or anything outside of Him is not of God. So the only place faith exists is in Christ. I had something written here. Don't let me forget to go back to this now. Preacher's wife. Had this written down at the first. I got carried off. Y'all just messed me all up tonight. God is never pleased unless he sees Christ. Think about that. Simple statement, but so biblically true. God is never pleased among people with people unless he sees Christ. If he's not seeing Christ, he's, he's not pleased. You see, that's why he placed you in the one he's pleased with. And that's why Paul, Paul knew this. And he said, I want to be found in him. I want to be seen in him. He's not, he's not talking about his position. 
He's talking about here and now because he's talking about counting things lost. You don't do that when you get to heaven. You don't count things lost and gain Christ when you get to heaven. All things are old, passed away, gone forever. Now it ain't nothing but Christ, hallelujah. So he's talking about his experience here. So God is never pleased unless he sees Christ. That ought to make us leave out of here shouting tonight. I want to be found in him, hallelujah. There's an, I got enough of my flesh during the day. I want less of me and more of Christ to be seen. And it's not, it's not me and I'm worried about. I want to be found by him, hallelujah. If I'm more conscious of my God and what he's done for me, where he's placed me, where he gives me the power of the Holy Spirit from, then I ought to be more accountable to him, Amen. So let's go back down here. The first one we read was Acts chapter 24, verse 24. The second one is Galatians 3, 26. And we're talking about the only location of faith being in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 and 26, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not only is it a location, but it's an action. We look at it, I think most of us probably have only looked at these, this phrase, faith in Christ, as the verb. But it's also a noun. It's a place. It's the only place faith works is in Christ. That's it. It don't work anywhere else. You hear the world say, well, we're all the children of God, but the Bible says that's a lie. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. A lot of people think they're going to heaven, but they don't have faith. Listen, in, 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 in Christ Jesus. They might believe there was a Son of God. They might believe this and that or the other, but your faith has to be in Christ Jesus, and that means in His death. In Christ means nothing but His death. Because that's the door. I said it last week at some point in one of those teachings. I do about 100 a week, it seems like. And they all run together at times. But the only door, Jesus said, he's the door. He's the door for God to reach through for you. And that same door is the only door you can reach back for him through. That's the cross. Jesus is the door, but the cross is the hinge. So for you are all the children of God. Who? How many of all? All of those by faith who have faith in Christ Jesus. Let me say it again tonight. We've probably, most of us have never really given much thought to this faith in Christ as a noun, only a verb. My faith has to be there, but it's both. My faith has to be actively placed in a place, a man and what he did on the cross. Or it won't work for you. And your lives, your lives will be very confused, very confused. You'll be confused. Everybody whose faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ, they're confused. And also, I'm talking about Christians, and also their lives 
are full of contradiction, as I said earlier. The Bible says I should be, but I'm not. And, and because I don't know that second part of that double cure offered me through the cross, then I'll have a list this long of excuses why my life doesn't look like what the Bible says. And I'll never learn about the second part of the double cure. If I listen to men tell me I need to stop talking about it all the time. Mm. Amen. Third one, Colossians chapter 1 verse 4. Colossians chapter 1 verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Where, where was it? In Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. Now I'm giving you these references, you can go back and read all of what's written all around this. I'm just giving you the references to show you that God doesn't honor faith anywhere other than in Christ. And just because I am positionally in Christ doesn't mean that I'm found by my God functioning, walking in Christ. Everybody understand that? You want me to give you an example of the proof of that? And I'll use me. Every time I do a big piece of stupid, I'm not found by my God in righteousness here. Not here. In Christ in heaven at the right hand of where he is, I am in Christ there. But I'm also here. And I'm not found by him here. And I always go back and use the story of Paul and Peter in Antioch in Galatians chapter 2. Peter was all of a sudden not found in righteousness. And it was God who found him not in righteousness in his experience. He was righteous. He didn't lose his status of righteous. But God was not finding him bearing the fruits of righteousness, so he pricked the apostle Paul's heart and gave him the word to give Peter to get him back on track so he could again be found not having his own righteousness, but that which is of God through faith, the faith of Christ. See, many times, you know it's true, and you, I, don't, I ain't asking you to get up and testify of how often and how much during the day we're not found. And a lot of Christians would say, well, it's not about that. God knows we've got to live. We've got to do this. We've got to do all this. God knows we're busy. He does know we got all we got going on. But in all of it, he expects, you better know it's true, to find you in righteousness, in Christ. You better know that's true. You can't, you can't put a list out there for God to say, now, now all, all the time I'm doing this, now you can't expect me to be found in Christ. <laughs> that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work because the more we're not found in him, bearing forth the fruits of his righteousness, the deeper hole we dig in. And it ain't a good hole. Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 now. We've already read verse 6 here. Let's read it starting in verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, Paul writes to the church here in Colossians, Colossae, he says, Though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, 
joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. In Christ. Faith in Christ. That's not just a phrase. That's a place. That's a place and an action. That's a verb and a noun all tied up together. Never thought about that before I got up here tonight. Never thought of it. But it's a verb and a noun. Because faith is dead without works. You think you got faith, but the Holy Spirit ain't working and producing fruit. Your faith is dead. I'm just loving you enough to tell you what the Bible says. Faith is dead without works. If there's no works, then what I'm calling faith ain't faith. Why is it? It might be faith in something, but it's not faith God honors because He only honors the faith of His Son. That's the faith we live by, right? Galatians 2.20. That's the faith we live by. So we want to be found in Him. We, we have to be found in Him. And uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.21 as we get ready to close tonight. I have to say that about an hour before I close. I'm kidding. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. This is, this is one of the most popular scriptures in the New Testament, I would say. One of the first scriptures that baby Christians learn because it's very important. Because being found in him, Paul said, is all based on the fruit of righteousness. I can't be found in him when I, when I think I'm right with God or I'm pleasing to God and my faith is in something I'm doing. That's law. The only way I can be found in Christ, found in Christ, in the experience of Christ, is when my faith is in what he did. And it's not just because I say it is. It's, it is when there's fruit it is. It's not because I say it is. My faith is in the death of Jesus when God sees my faith in that death and then he, he is allowed to give me what I need to start counting things as loss. If I'm not counting things lost and gaining Christ, I'm not being ugly tonight, but I'm not looking at Calvary. I'm going to say it again. If I'm not counting things lost and gaining Christ, it's because I might say I believe in the cross, but I ain't trusting in it. Because that's the one, that's the one place God's given us to put our faith and it's the one place he will always honor that faith, acknowledge that faith, and move through that faith. It will never fail. He never will not be found moving through that faith because we live by it. We live by it. We are moved by it. We have our very being by it. It's all by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 for he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin, that means the sin-bearing offering, for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin. He never committed a sin. He was the sinless perfect, as we sang tonight, sacrifice, without spot, without blemish, without sin, kept the whole law, the entire law. That's why his brothers didn't like him. Imagine living with somebody who was perfect. We can't imagine it because there ain't nobody. <laughs> Who knew no sin, 
But yet God made him our sin-bearing offering. The one who didn't deserve to die, but we all did. But God sent the one who didn't deserve to die to lay down his life on our behalf because we did deserve to die, but he died for us. Hallelujah. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In him. That, in him. In, in his death. In his death. In his death. So powerful. The cross is so wonderful. Righteousness had to come first. Righteousness is always first with God. He had to send his righteous son to live a righteous life, to be able to declare and offer his righteousness to all of the earth's unrighteousness. He created us in righteousness. You're not made new by anything of your past. It's all passed away. And it all should be counted as dung. Because in God's eyes, it's all passed away. He created you in righteousness. He made you righteous. He robed you in his righteousness. He set your feet on a path of righteousness. He gave you his words that are all in righteousness. And he wants to find you bearing the fruit of your Savior, who is your righteousness. The only way we have any righteousness is in him. So that's why Paul said, I want to be found in him. Because that's the only place God's given me to put my faith. It's the only place I can bring forth fruits of righteousness. God planted you when he saved you in the death of Jesus. That's where you were planted. Do you know you're considered by God to be a tree of righteousness? A tree of righteousness. You are. Isaiah says it in chapter 61, verse 3. Let's look at it together. I'm still trying to close, you see. But see, I, at least I'm one of them that says that before it's time to close. <laughs> I don't say it when we... Well, you get the point. Isaiah 61, 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You were planted in the death of Jesus. You were planted in the death of Jesus. Jesus came as the seed of the woman. And that seed would be born of a virgin and that seed would live a sinless life and that seed would be planted in death. And the Bible says in Romans 6, let's look over there at that. Romans 6, is it verse 4? No, it's in verse 5. For if we have been planted together... That means united together in the likeness of his death. And the very word planted together, that phrase, look at what it means. It means 
Let me see. To grow along with. Planted together. The seed of the woman promised in Genesis 15 was sent in the fullness of time to be born of a woman under the law to die on the cross. And when that happened, the seed was planted in death. And out of that death came the eternal family of God and the bride of Christ for all eternity. That's where you were planted. The only place you can experience the righteousness that you should more than anything want to be found before God in Christ took place at Calvary. That's where he planted his field. God's field was planted at Calvary. That's where the wheat in God's fields grow from. Tares are all among the wheat. But God's planting took place at Calvary. And we're planted to become trees of righteousness. What do trees have on them? Fruit. We have fruit. And this is Paul knew this too well. And that's why he said, I want to be found. I want you to find me, God, today in my Savior. Bearing forth the fruits of my Savior. I want to be found in Him. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we don't let those excuses get in the way. Because if we do, that's the wrong process to be in. That's where we're making excuses instead of beholding that image that we can be being changed into where the Holy Spirit will give us power to count those things that should be lost, that have been robbing us as dung, and we can find the power of the Holy Spirit to be gaining Christ, our Savior. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it because you want to. You can't do it because you know you need to. You have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. He first shows you Calvary to make sure you understand your part in this is to believe in, in Christ, to keep your faith in His death. And then He is strong enough and wise enough. He's God, the Holy Spirit, to lead you in the will of God that will always bring forth the fruit of His working in your life. All the fruit that we bear is the fruit of Jesus and what He did at Calvary. That's where we want to be found, amen? That's why God's raised this church and others up like it, to stay focused on that which made us righteous and allows us to bear forth the fruits of His righteousness, to stay planted where He planted us, not uproot ourselves and plant ourselves somewhere else under some other something other than where He planted us. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? Praise the Lord. Don't you just love the Lord tonight? Why don't you just take a second to lift your hands and thank Him for saving you. Thank Him for loving you like He does. Thank Him for teaching you the truth of the Word like He does. Being enough to hold us steady. Being enough to give us that power to be able to count those things that's been causing us loss as dung and to reach for Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord, for showing us Calvary 
Always. Always. Sending forth your word to heal us and to deliver us from all destruction. Whatever it is, it seems to be a burden to our heart tonight. Jesus has already paid for it. Any chains that seem to be on us that's keeping us from living for God, Jesus has already paid for all the chain-breaking power you'll ever need. It's not based on what you've got to go do to make it right. It's only based on what He did at Calvary. It's only based on Him and what He did at Calvary. And all we're called to do, Jesus said, to see the works of our God in our life is to simply believe upon the one He sent. Now that's in the heart, my friends. That's not just me saying I believe. That's God finding me believing and bringing forth the fruit of Him being my God, of Jesus being my Savior. God finding my heart believing in that which He saved me by. Very work of righteousness that took place on the cross of Christ that brought about our peace and the great assurance that we have and the stillness of our souls that we have. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the great work of your Son on Calvary's cross. We thank you that we didn't have to play a part in it other than just believing. It's the only part you've given us to simply believe and you carry out the work in our hearts and through our lives. It's you working in us both to will and to do of that which pleases you. We thank you tonight for this word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us tonight that there's only one place for faith that you acknowledge, that you will honor and be found working through that place is in Christ, in His death. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to show us what we need to see, to always deliver us under the place of death, for the life you've offered only comes out of that place of death give you praise tonight. If there's anybody here tonight who needs prayer, I invite you to come. We'll pray for you before you leave, whoever you are. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's between you and the Lord. He already knows all your business. We're going to pray for you tonight and believe God with you. If you're watching online, put the comments there. I promise you we'll read them later. We'll pray for you. Pray with us tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the Son that you gave on our behalf. We thank you, Lord God, for seeing our faith in your Son. Seeing our faith, acknowledging that faith, Lord. Filling our hearts with joy and peace. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you did the work. All by yourself, you endured the cross. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for carrying out that perfect, righteous work, that sacrifice so perfect that all we had to do was believe. And we believe tonight, even standing right here, right now, we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that He saved us on the tree of Calvary, and that, Lord, our feet take each step uh, under the direction of Your guidance uh, when our faith 
is there in that sacrifice. Our hiding place, our refuge, the place of our strength, the place where all the miracles of God come from, the place where healing comes from. Lord, that we don't have to declare what you're going to do. We just have to believe in what you do, what your will calls for. And we thank you for that. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Fill us with the Holy Ghost. Oh, fill our hearts, Lord God. Trust Him. Hallelujah. Trust Him tonight. Trust Him for more of Christ to be seen, to be experienced. If you're tired and you've been where you are too long, there's not been any advancement, any increase, any movement. You don't have to do anything but believe. Believing right gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to count the things that have been hindering the advancement, hindering the increase, hindering the gain as loss. Believing correctly gives us the power to be able to see things that are really lost. Not only see them, but to move on without them. To move on without them. To gain Christ means to see that something's been robbing me what I could be having more of. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, precious Lord, for your presence and your power tonight. Thank you for touching each physical body, each mind in this place. Lord, thank you for acknowledging always, as you always have, that faith of your Son, the faith that pleases you, the faith that overcomes the world, the faith that allows us to count things as lost and dumb to be able to gain more of our Savior, that faith that allows us to be found in you, not having our own stuff to talk about, but what you've done for us to talk more about than ever before. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Not our own stuff but what you are to us, who you are to us and what you've done for us and to us. Hallelujah. We thank you tonight for reminding us that there is a place. There is a place we can run to by faith in Christ to find every single thing that you've provided freely for us and I ask you to make this what we heard tonight even more real after we leave this place cause our hunger to be greater our thirst to be greater for your righteousness for your promise is that if we hunger and thirst for your righteousness meaning to be found in Christ and his righteousness that you would fill us with the fruits thereof. We give you all the praise tonight as we leave this place with the joy of the Lord filling our hearts, knowing that we belong to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. I pray you have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you Sunday morning.
Resurrection Sunday.